am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. We have returned from the 2018 ECHL meetings in Las Vegas, and we're back for another episode of the Toolbox. This one is number 10, puts us into double digits. I'm your host, DJ Abacella, and coming up on this week's show, the Wheeling Nailers made their first transaction of the 2018 summer. It was a trade. I'll tell you who's going where and who's coming into Wheeling looking ahead to the 2018-19 season. Also, an update on movement around the ECHL. Some teams have already signed some players and some teams are looking at some new affiliates. Also, coming up this weekend will be the start of NHL free agency. Who do the Penguins have that are free agents coming up this summer and who are some former nailers around the NHL who will have their contracts expire, possibly looking for new homes. And our interview this week is with the brand new commissioner of the ECHL. That's Ryan Creelan. Let's start this week's edition of the Toolbox with the first transaction of the summer of 2018 for the Nailers. And in turn, it is also the first transaction for head coach Mark Dennehy. And it's a trade which takes place between the Wheeling Nailers and the Worcester Railers. The Nailers receive forward Nick Saraceno. The Railers receive forward Nick Sorkin. Going deeper into this deal, first off, Nick Saraceno, the Nailers' acquisition, attended Providence College where he won an NCAA National Championship in 2015, so he has a championship pedigree, which is always great to have. You love being able to have those players who have tasted success in their past, being able to be part of your team and create that winning type of a culture. This is going to be his third full pro season after finishing at PC. He joined the Iowa Wild to complete that 15-16 season, so his true rookie season was 2016-17. But at least from what the stats show, it was a little bit of a limited role with the Wild in that he appeared in 33 games. So you look into last season, which was his first taste of the ECHL, with the Worcester Railers and also playing a different role in the pro game, very similar to what he was playing in college, looked upon as a top six forward and being looked at as one of the key cogs in the team's offense. His totals last season with the Railers for Saraceno, 12 goals, 25 assists, and 37 points. That put him third place on that team in scoring. And when I looked at some of the numbers, obviously one of them that certainly jumped out, and we saw this firsthand last season, was that Saraceno was exceptionally good against the Wheeling Nailers as he scored four goals, five assists, and nine points in the nine head-to-head games between the two teams as they certainly saw a lot of each other last year year, but I noticed that a good chunk of Saraceno's production took place during the second half of the season, and I'll be interested to talk more to Nick about this when he gets here to Wheeling at the start of the season, but I can't help but wonder if getting that new role with Worcester after having to really take as much as he could out of what limited time he was getting in Iowa, a little bit of an adjustment period, getting used to the ECHL and getting reacclimated to that top six role really helped him lift his game that much more in the second half of the season. And that encourages me big time going into this season with the Nailers as you hope that that upward trend 
continues to go in that direction. Another thing to take away from Saraceno and those numbers, as I mentioned, ranking third on the Railers in scoring, and that was a Worcester team that finished dead last in the ECHL in goal scored during the 2017-18 campaign. So, again, you put them over here in Wheeling, where the Nailers were one of the better teams in the league in scoring goals last season, and you put him with some real nice pieces around him, and that, I think, is only going to raise his game that much more, where you could be looking at him realistically as a 15 to 20 goal score a 40 to 50 point guy in this season's team so a very important part to what could be a powerful offense once again here in Wheeling now on the other side of the coin the player that we gave up of course when you get a good player you have to give up a good player and I think that both teams are in this situation with Nick Sorkin going to the Railers. And Nick gave us two solid seasons here in Wheeling. 57 points his first year, 58 points his second year. Very consistent. And Nick was extremely good as a playmaker. Never more evident than this past season with his team leading 49 assists, which is a tremendous number. Unfortunately, didn't quite have the goal total that I think he was looking for this year. Finished up with nine, but still, anytime you can finish with 50-plus points, that's definitely a good season for you. Now, how do you replace that? Because I don't think that Saraceno and Sorkin are the same type of player. So you look at it just like we did earlier this summer when Kevin Shells went to Europe, and we said, okay, we identify that Schultz was a puck-moving offensive defenseman. Okay, so Sorkin's a playmaker. Who could be that next guy to step into that role? And the perfect scenario for this, if the Nailers are able to re-sign him, or if not by the end of this week, they can offer him a qualifying offer to be able to retain his rights is forward Cam Brown, who also had a ton of assists last season, had a good mixture of goals in there as well, and can play the center position just like Sorkin did. So that would be a good scenario if that is able to come to fruition. So the Nailers will get a chance to see Nick Sorkin and the Worcester Railers, as well as his new assistant coach, Derek Army, which won't that be something to see. Sorkin playing for Army when the Nailers go to Worcester on February 9th as part of their three-game trip to New England. And with the trade, not only do we have that, but Saraceno also has been signed to a contract, so he is the first player signed by the Nailers this summer. Around the league, there's been right around 25-ish signings to start this season. And some teams are locking up some of their easier signings, I guess. Some of the more veteran players that have been part of clubs for quite a good time. And one of those good examples is a former Nailer, now an Allen American in Casey Piero Zabatel. And it is typical not to see a ton of signings right away, especially those fringe AHL, ECHL players, because those are players who want to see if they can get an American Hockey League contract towards the end of the summer. Um, So you kind of see the transactions trickle in here and there, and obviously that'll be the case here in Wheeling as well, and we'll see what kind of a pace this summer presents compared to years past as we start to build what will be the team that takes the ice come October in Norfolk and then on November 3rd for our home opener against the Indy Fuel at West Bank Arena. There was one other former nailer who has inked a contract somewhere else as Matthias Cleland, who played with the Nailers at the end of the 2016-17 season out of the University of New Hampshire has signed on with Riley Armstrong and the Maine Mariners. 
Elsewhere around the ECHL from the news department, there were two teams that named new affiliates this week. The Norfolk Admirals have hooked up with the Arizona Coyotes, and the Utah Grizzlies are now connected with the Colorado Avalanche. And it's really no surprise for Colorado, who is coming off of outstanding success with the Colorado Eagles, back-to-back Kelly Cup championships for Colorado and in addition to being able to know that they have that ability now to use a pipeline from the ECHL to the AHL and the NHL also makes tons of sense geographically as Utah of course is a neighboring state for Colorado so that'll make the transportation real real easy between players going from ECHL Utah to AHL Colorado and then right back down. Arizona leaves Fort Wayne after just one year as they now go to the Norfolk Admirals. It seemed beneficial, at least on paper, for Fort Wayne, especially with goaltender Michael Hauser. And by the way, Utah was with Anaheim for five years before it makes the switch to the Colorado Avalanche. Arizona will be Norfolk's third NHL affiliate in four ECHL seasons, following in the footsteps of Edmonton and Nashville as the Admirals look to get to the playoffs for the first time since returning to the ECHL in 2015. That leaves Fort Wayne, obviously, we just told you, losing out with Arizona, Greenville, and Orlando currently without affiliates. And I will say this as well, I'm not going to name any names, but there were some rumors swirling at the league meetings last week, and I wouldn't be shocked to see at least two more teams added to that list with new affiliates going into 1819. Before we switch gears to the NHL, want to remind you that Saturday is the day coming up for ECHL qualifying offers. Teams can qualify up to eight players who are not signed. If a player is not signed or is not tendered a qualifying offer on Saturday, then they become a free agent on Sunday. And of course, Sunday is the opening day for free agency in the National Hockey League. First, we look within the organization. Tom Kunakel, Carter Rowney, Josh Juris, Jamie Alexiak, Zach Trotman, Jared Tenorti, Tristan Jari, Michael Layton. Some of the notable names as free agents in the Penguins organization. It'll be very interesting to see now both unrestricted free agents where Tom Kunakel and Carter Rowney will end up for 18-19. Other former Nailers that are free agents in the NHL include two more guys from the Pittsburgh organization, that is forward JSD and defenseman Ethan Prowl. We saw Prowl a little bit this past season for a few games with the Nailers. Alex Grant is a free agent with the Minnesota Wild, but he has already signed over in Europe, so that looks like he has decided where he's going to play for the coming season. Mark Latestu is a free agent for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Sean McGuire, who started last season with the Nailers, is a free agent for the Arizona Coyotes. Matt O'Connor, who we saw some time last season, is a free agent for the Nashville Predators. Philip Samuelson is a free agent for the Carolina Hurricanes. Zach Sill, Washington Capitals free agent. Ben Street, free agent from the Detroit Red Wings. And Paul Thompson, a free agent 
for the Vegas Golden Knights. We told you earlier that Alex Grant has signed in Europe. There are a couple of other notable moves involving players across the pond as we track former Nailers and always keep in touch with them. The captain from the 2016 Eastern Conference Championship team, Shane Baker. Shane has washed on, well, at least he's re-signed, with the EIHL's Manchester Storm. Last season, Bakes had three goals, 13 assists, 16 points, and 128 penalty minutes in 48 games, and that is in Great Britain. Also, former Naylor Tim Wallace signing in that league, the EIHL, with the Milton Keynes Lightning. Sticking with alumni, it's time for Where Are They Now? And we look to Sean Collins, who is a prolific scorer for the Nailers from 2005 to 2008. Back home in New England, has done a lot of coaching and scouting at various levels of hockey since retiring. But he now works for a company called STX that manufactures and sells ice hockey equipment. So good for Sean being able to stick in the hockey world and doing something maybe a little bit away from from the rink. Coming off of our league meetings last week in Las Vegas, it's time now to bring in the man who is going to be taking over as the commissioner of the ECHL. Our guest on the toolbox this week is Ryan Creelan. Ryan, congratulations on your new title, commissioner of the ECHL. How honored are you to take over such a noteworthy role? And are you nervous at all? <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, DJ. I appreciate it. Uh, from uh, an honor standpoint, extremely honored, humbled, um, you know, to, to follow in Brian's footsteps, who I've worked with for, for my entire career, essentially the past 13 years. So um, extremely honored, um, lots to do. Uh, from a nervous standpoint, uh, I, you know, I, I think we're all a little nervous going into something new, but I've been around the ECHL for a uh, decade plus now, uh, well-versed in our teams, in our operations, both in, at the league and team level. Um, so I'm, I'm ready for the challenge. You mentioned how long you've been with the ECHL, and it's really amazing to watch how you've climbed up the ladder, if you will, as if I heard correctly, you started all the way down as far low as you could as an intern with the league. So how did one thing lead to another and you start moving up? Because it's not really common, I wouldn't think, for a commissioner to be a former intern. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in terms of the, the commonality or the rarity of it, I guess I don't really know. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not certain it happens very often. But, yeah, I started as an intern um, even in college, still hadn't graduated. And I uh, just tried to make myself open and available uh, to help out, try whatever needed to be done. And um, started, graduated. Uh, began full-time here. Uh, I guess my first title was coordinator of business operations, and then over the years held a number of different titles, certainly a number of different responsibilities, because as you well know, uh, at our level, we all wear a number of different hats. And then uh, most recently, and I guess even to this day, serve as the COO, and then Brian and I will figure out a time uh, to transition here uh, to the commissionership. Were you a hockey guy growing up, or is this something that's evolved over time? Uh, certainly a hockey guy growing up. I started playing when I was six, but I knew from an early age that uh, I didn't play particularly well. Um, so I still loved to play, played a little bit in college, play with those same guys uh, in men's league to this day. 
Uh, but again, not particularly well. And as I've gotten older, it's only uh, progressively gotten worse. Um, but knew I wanted to be in hockey. Uh, love the sport. Uh, you know, hope to raise my kids in it as well. And so I've been very fortunate from a front office level to have a career. You've been involved with some real neat projects, especially over the last few seasons. I think one that a lot of us talk about that you get the most credit for is incorporating the ECHL in the NHL video game series, and then also even more recently than that, the partnership with Marvel. Are those two that really stick out for you, or is there something else that you take a lot of pride in that you've been able to accomplish in your role with the ECHL? Yeah, I mean, uh, those are certainly two of them. Uh, Geico would be another, but I I've been involved in so many different things over the past 13 years. Um, you know, the EA sports thing and the NHL video game series is a big stepping stone for us. I think it's really important to our teams and our fans. It also attracts new audiences. Uh, same on the Marvel front, again, attracting new audiences and, uh, some really cool game ops and jerseys on the ice during those events. So, you know, very, very proud to be a part of those. Uh, the Geico blue goalpost, again, um, you know, something new, different kind of groundbreaking in the world of hockey. So very proud to be a part of that. Um, but again, there's, there's so many things, uh, from, from little projects that maybe people don't even know about, uh, to the more public facing and, and bigger scale projects. Um, you know, over this time I've been involved, I think in 10 or 11 all-star events. Um, which, you know, have continued to grow in different scale and we try different things. And uh, those are a lot of work, but also very rewarding uh, at the end of the day. How much have you seen the credibility and the recognition of the ECHL grow over the recent years, now being the only double-A hockey league, now that the Central League is no more, back when they used to have the IHL along with the AHL, where now it is NHL, AHL, ECHL right in a row? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we are the only double-A league uh, in North America uh, recognized in the NHL collective bargaining agreement for our players to be assigned to this league and for them to move up uh, in their career. And then, as you well know, last year we celebrated our 30th anniversary, which I think really just shows how organized and structurally sound this league is. There's been so many leagues over the years that have come and gone some that have folded and we, you know, have, have taken uh, in their teams as expansion teams. Um, but because of the way we operate and because of the people that have been involved in this league, we've been able to eclipse 30 years and I look forward to year 31 and beyond. You mentioned Brian McKenna earlier in the conversation. He's the man that you take over for. And he's always talked about how the league is at 27 teams right now. It would be cool to expand, but the league is not just going to expand for the sake of expanding to try and get to that 31 to match the NHL. Do you share that philosophy, and how do you feel about where the league is and the members are as a whole? Yeah, no, I, I 100% endorse that philosophy. Um, we're at 27 now. Um, part of my goal uh, in, in my tenure is to focus on stability of our teams and our markets and ex expansion, I think is, is on the horizon, but it's gotta be slow, smart, uh, make sense expansion, not expansion for the sake of expansion. So we're at 27 now. Uh, that means 28 is next where we go from there. Uh, again, it's going to be slow and steady. We'll keep an eye on the NHL and AHL and what they're doing. Um, but we're not going to, again, expand for the sake of expansion. 
how much of it has to make geographical sense too from an NHL, AHL affiliate standpoint, but also from an ECHL standpoint where you want to make it a travel-friendly scenario for most teams? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, again, that goes back to, to expanding under a smart strategic approach. Uh, we can't put a team off in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's just not a fit. So again, we're going to look at the geographic footprint of the market. Is it a sustainable market? What's the management and ownership group uh, look like? And then how does that fit into our overall strategic plan for the league? So uh, to answer your question, yes, it's very important. We're going to look at all of those factors, and that will help our board determine whether we should expand or not. Okay, so we'll go ahead and cross off. Nailers will not be going to Hawaii anytime in the near time future. <laughs> All right. Any other goals that you can share for us, whether it's the upcoming season or going forward, that you really look to have the league solidify itself even more? Um, so, I, I mean, we've laid out a strategic plan. It's going to be, again, focused on the stability and the growth of our uh, of our member teams and their business operations. From a hockey standpoint, we want to continue uh, to serve as the primary development lead for the AHL and NHL. And then um, you've got a little bit of insight on this, but from a fan standpoint, we're really pushing our fan engagement tools and our metrics and, and some of the digital innovations that are available to allow us to get our content uh, out to fans, allow them to engage and respond back with us. So. Uh, as early as the eighteen nineteen season, fans will see some some new things being launched, uh, so that they can continue to interact with their favorite ECHL team. We joked around a little bit at the beginning of the interview about maybe any pressure that you feel taking over the commissioner's role. And at the NHL level, I think the cool thing for fans to do is to boo Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL. And while he holds the most power at that level, there are also lots of other people involved. What sort of support system do you have at the ECHL kind of behind closed doors, if you will, that fans don't necessarily see, whether it's your colleagues in the office or the Board of Governors? Yeah, so um, again, because I've been here for, for 13 years now, um, I've got a lot of very strong relationship uh, with the members of our board and the various owners in our league. Um, we're going to continue to hone in on uh, forming some committees to get those owners and presidents and GMs uh, to be soliciting feedback to the league office. I think that's how we'll become a stronger league. And then we've had uh, a lot of stability here in the league office, some really good people, some, some people who know the league, who want to see it grow. And so we've been very fortunate in that capacity as well. And to wrap things up, we'll leave you with an opportunity talking about Brian McKenna, the now former or going to be former ECHL commissioner who served in that role for over half of the league's existence. What's something that Brian did well that you hope to continue, or was there something, a trait maybe, that Brian had that some of us who weren't around him every day maybe didn't get a chance to experience that you did? Yeah, so um, patience, which is not a virtue of mine, but certainly one of, of Brian's. So I learned a lot from him on that front, and to take things with a very uh, logical and measured approach um you know the quick reaction isn't necessarily always the best or right one so brian's uh really instilled that into me and that's something i hope to to replicate and duplicate over the future here 
Outstanding. Ryan Creelan, the new commissioner of the ECHL. Really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to me today, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see you on West Banco Arena Ice as part of maybe a trophy celebration in June. <laughs> well, that, that's not up to me. That's up to you guys. But, uh, yeah, for look forward to getting back out to Wheeling uh, pretty soon here. Special thanks once again to the new commissioner of the ECHL, Ryan Creelan, for spending some time with us today. Ryan has done a terrific job in his time with the league, creating new initiatives and bringing some new and exciting items into the fold. And I know that he is certainly looking forward to taking over, and he fills some great shoes there, uh, following in the footsteps of his good friend, Brian McKenna, and of course, Mr. Kelly before him as commissioner here in the ECHL. And we look forward to continuing to see the league grow in a positive direction as it enters its 31st season coming up in the fall, the 27th season out of those 31 in which we have professional hockey right here in downtown Wheeling. Stay tuned for updates from Pittsburgh Penguins Development Camp as we will be headed that way. Hang out with head coach Mark Dennehy, former Nailers head coach, current Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins head coach Clark Donatelli. And of course, on next week's show, we will have updates if any former Nailers have moved on to new locations, whether that be in the NHL or in the ECA. The fun season is just getting started as we will look ahead towards July. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time on The Toolbox.